Friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney. We're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta. And today we're joined by Yoda Tesfa Michael, an organizer with uh, Students for Change and Black Women United. And uh, we're going to discuss the work she's been doing to improve the lives of black students at, uh, at Northwest College. That's the community college here in Edmonton. Yoda, welcome to the Progress Report. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So let's get a bit of context for Norquest out of the way so people kind of know what we're talking about. So yeah. it's, it's actually not that far from the office here, right? No, it isn't. It's right in the heart of downtown. Yeah. And we're looking at around 20,000 students. Yeah, approximately 20,000 students and a pretty diverse uh, student population. Yeah, like it's kind of the first point of higher education for a lot of like newcomer Canadians, right? It is, yeah. Um, and part of that is also because of the programming that they offer. Uh, so it's one of the larger institutions that offers ESL programming and a number of other certificate and diploma programming that would attract that particular demographic. Yeah, and the demographics here are important, right? It's like nearly two-thirds women. You know, they talk a lot about how many kind of countries of origin, how many languages are spoken. Yeah. Um, but uh, one thing that they haven't been able to quantify uh, and that's something that are going to start quantifying is just how many black students they have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something that's been an interesting take with some organizations is to focus on a lot of the multicultural elements and intercultural elements, but really having difficulty with the race, um, you know, looking at race based data and how that's impacting their student body. Um, which is interesting because, you know, those, that, that kind of information would be really helpful if you're wanting to improve student outcomes or have a general sense of what black students are experiencing um, on your campus. They don't see race, Yoda. It, it, <laughs> it's black, brown, green, yellow, polka dot. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of like default stupid liberal take, right? Which is that like we exist in a colorblind society where we have conquered racism. And, and so why would we collect this data? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting given that, um, you know, in every, almost every other aspect of, you know, our world data is pretty important. And we also have a general understanding that race does affect people's, um, you know, socioeconomic fact lives, um, you know, and definitely education. Like this is something that has been talked about over and over again. But there seems to not be this, you know, um, desire to really think about whether this is even happening, like not even an interest to, to examining whether this is actually, in, in fact, the case. Um, and that's been pretty frustrating because the general knowledge along, among the student body and the communities that black students are facing, um, you know, disproportionate forms of anti-black racism uh, from their counterparts. Yeah, like there's a, a white proverb out there, a white male proverb, particularly, right? Which is like, show me the data, right? I'm not, I, I need to know everything in order to yeah. make the proper decision. And I think that's best exemplified by uh, one of our city councilors here in town, Mike Nickel. And, uh, and, and if an organization is going to say that like, oh, we're, we're an anti-racist organization, we're going, we're committed to improving the lives of black people. Well, if that's the case... Like yeah. How many black students do you have? Exactly. Do they graduate? <laughs> what What are their discipline records like compared to non-white students? Yes. Uh, like what are their What are their failure rates compared to non-white students? Like how many scholarships do they get exactly. compared to non-white students? Like yeah. if you have no fucking clue what is happening to your black students, you can't credibly call yourself an anti-racist organization or, or no, a university, you, right? Yeah. No, you cannot. And one of the interesting things that's come out of a lot of institutions is, you know, the idea of equity, diversity, and inclusion, in which they're supposed to implement policies that are going to improve, you know, the, the experiences of racialized students. 
Well, you can't really do that unless you know what's going on. Um, and this is something that we've, you know, a lot of people have been saying over and over again is that you actually have to know what's going on. Like, what are their success rates? Are they, in fact, you know, equivalent to other non-black students in, in the institution? So, you know, this kind of like willfully denying that that information is important is not, to me, doesn't make sense. And, you know, I would, it does have that very much, you know, all lives matter or colorblind approach and, you know, it's not really important. Um, but one of the things that I find interesting is that, you know, there is some, there is some identification for those who identify as indigenous. Um, and there are particular reasons for that, I think, uh, you know, that specifically talk in order to advance, um, you know, for Indigenous students. However, we're not kind of seeing, you know, the, the other aspects of it is that, you know, are they measuring this against student outcomes? You know, are they able to actually say, like, you know, this institution is a great institution for Indigenous students to come to or Black students to come to because we have a high success rate for these students? And I don't think that they can adequately say that right now. Yeah, and, and getting um, race-based data, getting Northwest College to collect race-based data was part of a suite of things uh, that the group that you're working with, Students for Change, that you were able to kind of get out of Northwest College. Can you kind of tell me about uh, the work that you've been doing there? Yeah, um, so this kind of started off, at least in the recent um, last few months, uh, because Northwest had made an announcement that they were uh, you know, willing to listen and change um, and wanting to work with communities on issues related to race. And this was, of course, after the, um, you know, the killing of George Floyd, Regis uh, Paquette, and a number of other black and brown folks that have been um, targeted by um, police forces. Uh, and so, you know, we saw a number of institutions make these kinds of grand announcements and gestures to making changes at their institutions. And so, you know, we took them up on it. Mm -hmm. And we sent them a letter sometime in mid or late July um, and made a proposal for them to um, accept, uh, you know, these four calls to actions that we uh, identified. A list of demands. A list of demands, yeah. A list of demands um, and have a joint press release stating that they, in fact, will be um, looking at these four things and will be implementing them. So that's kind of how that all started. Um, but kind of going before that, I had... Uh, relationships with, personally, I had family members who had attended this program who indicated to me that they had, you know, issues with uh, the college and their experience around race and anti-black racism specifically. And um, as I was getting involved a few years back with Black Women United, um, a member of our community came forward and she said, you know what, there's like a huge anti-black racism problem at Northwest, particularly in the licensed practical nursing program, and we need help, you know. Um, so in about, we didn't really get kind of organized um, until earlier this year in January, and we started to meet and think about, well, who do we, how can we get some allies, and how do we organize ourselves to um, think about some strategies to really put pressure on the school to, to look at these issues. And so you, but you personally had like a cousin or a couple of cousins who had a bad time in the licensed practical nursing program. Yeah. And uh, so one of my cousins in particular, um, I recall him, him stating that, you know, he was failed unfairly from a clinical. Um, so in the licensed practical nursing program, you do clinicals uh, to demonstrate, you know, as part of your training. Um, and he was unfairly, he felt failed. Um, and he at least the general um, attitude was that, you know, this happens to a lot of the black students and this particular instructor that he had, um, 
tended to target black students and um, didn't evaluate black students fairly. Uh, and so that was, that was something that I, I, I became aware of um, while he was studying. And then a number of others, um, you know, kind of echoed those same sentiments and thoughts. And so this is like, oh, well, there's a problem here. We've got to do something about it. We've got an institution that is, you know, publicly stated, hey, we want to do something. Yes. And so you took advantage. Yeah, we did. We took advantage. And, you know, how that all came about was that, I mean, we, we just gave them the option. Um, we would, you can either partner with us and work with us on this because we are representing a group of black students, former graduates, um, a few current uh, students at Northwest. And as well as people like me who are in the black community who are organizing around, you know, anti-black racism all the time. Um, or, you know, we can do this on our own. And that was really the, the approach that we took because uh, we didn't want to further stall these things. Like, I mean, oftentimes what institutions can do is kind of co-opt, um, you know, efforts and initiatives that are, that are coming from the community and not really meet the, the needs of those students. Um, in the way that we need them to be. Um, and so a lot of compromise happens on the back end of things. So we kind of were like, no, you can't, you know, talk about EDI, that's a whole all lives matter. Not to say that it's not important, certainly it is, but we need you to focus on black students and we need you to think about, you know, anti-black racism in particular. And we can't wait a year or two years for you to come up with a strategy. Here's some really easy, you know, four, you know, things that you can implement and start to look at. And what were those four things? What were your demands and what did they kind of put out? Hey, we're going to do something on this. Yeah, so definitely one of them was, um, well, initially we actually wanted to, to have Norquest implement uh, video recordings of critical integration assessments. And critical integration assessments are actually um, um, an assessment that students have to do to demonstrate a particular skill in nursing. Um, so that was kind of changed a little bit in the, in the, four, in the one that we actually um, sent out in the press release. Uh, but uh, the good thing is that there's, they are looking into that, and we've talked to them a little bit about what that might look like. And so that was one. The second was supporting black students' mental health um, from the community. Uh, you know, there was just... <laughs> the, the stories that you would hear of students, black students in particular, experiencing racial trauma was just, you know, really overwhelming and, quite frankly, just so depressing to hear. Um, so what does that mean? Are they getting counselors or are, they, are the details still being worked out? The details are still being worked out. Uh, so we're at least hoping that we would have a um, more community-based focused, um, people who, who are from the black community or, you know, other people of color who look specifically at how racism impacts, you know, black and brown students um, and to really provide those services and tar provide targeted services for, you know, black students. And then what were the other demands? And then we have, um, so obviously the race-based data. So we wanted them to look at um, disaggregated race-based data for student outcomes. So we wanted to look at the retention rate, attrition rates, um, the grades the students were receiving. And that was going to be important because what we do know is that black students are not finishing the program in the length of time that is advertised, right? So Norquest College, at least the program, uh, the licensed practical nursing program is supposed to be a five-term program. And you can find students saying that, you know, I failed like clinicals so, so often or had to repeat courses so often that this has actually taken me five years to do. So or, a two, two and a half year program taking so five. Taking five, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's concerning because that, that, that's money, that's time, you know, and that's not something that is a luxury for a lot of the students. Um, 
and so that was you know kind of it was it was kind of the most important aspect i think one of the more important calls to actions that we um, put forth and then the last one was for us to have an assessment of student awards and scholarships so that we can improve um, advancement for black students um, and one of the things that we do know or i'm somewhat aware of is that the assessments for awards and scholarships can be quite outdated mm-hmm. um, and so you know, we're, we're interested in looking at what are the financial calculations that they're doing to award students. Um, you know, if you have to have lots of volunteer hours um, and you do not have the privilege of volunteering, well, you know, that kind of, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually meet the needs of students who may need the, the funds, but in fact, the people who have the privilege to be able to volunteer and, and then be awarded for these scholarships. So we really need to look more carefully at who's being awarded for these uh, scholarships and are they in fact serving the students that it claims to be serving? Yeah, like are, are, are scholarships going to poor students? Are they going to students who have the time to tell the best story? Exactly, right? yeah. And that's another part of the application process is, you know, what's the story? Can you talk about a hardship that you've experienced or, you know, how you've kind of grown as a person and, you know, all this stuff? And, you know, it's not, it's not always practical for people, for and black and brown students. And if you're like an ESL single mother of two or whatever, it's like, uh, yeah, you don't have time to write an 800 word screed about how your life is hard. Your life is already hard. Your you know life is I mean? hard. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, oftentimes a lot are mothers, mothers of, you know, young children. Um, they come from multi-generational families. So they're living in households where they might have, you know, grand- grandparents and children, other extended family members. So it's just, you know, they're doing a lot of the kind of caretaking work of the family on top of also trying to advance their own personal education and careers. So, you know, where's that time to do that? And this LPN program is, is um, you know, a, a way for folks who were nurses in other countries to, like, actually get their foot in the door here yeah. because quite often their, their uh, qualifications don't transfer over, right? They don't. And that is a reason. So it's, it's attractive for, you know, the, um, for a number of things. And I think that that's, that's definitely one of them is, um, yeah, your credentials are not recognized here in Canada. So... You know, here's an option for you where you don't have to spend a whole four-year degree to go to do a nursing degree or go to an elite university like the U of A and do something else, but a quick two-year program where you can make, you know, get some training and make a decent living, right? Um, and then there's the other group of folks that I think, um, you know, who are, let's say, newcomers um, who study English at Norquest oftentimes um, and then have these kind of two-year diploma programs that are also made available to them. Right. So social work and healthcare aid and um, so a number of certificate program and, and some diploma programs that are really attractive to people who want to pursue their careers um, if they've um, kind of acquired the English level that they need to to pursue them. So, yeah, I mean, and I think that that's what's the really interesting thing with some a place like Norquest is that they actually do want this. You know, they do want the diverse student body. They do want, you know, people who come from uh, different parts of the world and are looking for other options and different kinds of programming. Yeah, they know uh, who their customers are. They know who their customers are, exactly. And so for me, it's kind of mind-boggling that you wouldn't really want to think about, you know, how do you evaluate the student body and how do you ensure that you're meeting the needs of the student body? And we're talking about, you know, thousands of dollars that students are investing into this school. Um, and so that's just kind of a bare minimum for us is that you need to know what's going on. And, you know, the, the hard conversation also is you need to start to... Um, enact some kind of accountability at your institution when you do see that things are not working the way they're supposed to or students are complaining about instructors that are blatantly racist. And that's just a not, it's not a comfortable conversation to have, but it's, it's very real for a lot of the students. 
So all of the demands seem kind of based on the ability to correct, collect race-based data. Was that the kind of hardest one to actually get them to agree? Did they want to all lives matter it, like at the at, off the top? Well, initially it was more like, well, we want to have a conversation before we release this because, you know, you might want to think a little bit more about these calls to actions. And we were like, no, actually, these are pretty, pretty easy for you to implement. They don't require a lot of thinking and they don't actually require a lot of resources. Like, I mean, I don't know how much money would cost for the Office of Registrar to start collecting race, you know, yeah. in, in to add another question, to add another to question. Exactly. I mean, they already <laughs> do it for they already do it for gender and they seem to do it for different languages Country and of countries origin, of origin. Language, yeah. So, you know, how much money is it going to take for you to to just add in one other, you know, qual like variable or factor into there? Um, same thing with the assessments. I mean, assessments of student awards like it's it just requires you to just reevaluate, which is something that your staff should already be doing. Like this is something that you need to do as things change and maybe scholarships are not serving the kind of population that you intend to be awarded. So, um, yeah, so it was a little bit odd that they kind of were like, oh, well, we need to think about, um, you know, what, you know, how to, how to actually do this. And we're just like, no, I think you need to commit to at least a few things here to demonstrate that you are actually serious about this. And then we can talk about the specifics. And these were kind of broad enough that, um, you know, we can have more discussions and further discussions of what that would actually look like. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think, I'm not going to say two data points is a trend, but uh, I, I think there is, it is a, a something to consider that uh, not only is Northwest College now collecting race-based data, but the Edmonton Public School Board is also collecting race-based data. And that um, knowing this information at, uh, you know, for our K-12 students is also super important. It is, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is that the challenges that you see at the the higher institutional levels often are a result of the challenges of the K to 12 level, right? So, you know, I'm a University of Alberta student um, at in the master's program, and one of the trends that we've been seeing with among the Black population is that we have a lot of Black international students. We don't have a lot of Black domestic students, or what they call domestic. So those who have matriculated, like who grew up in Alberta, grew up in Alberta, exactly. And so we're kind of like, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, you know, you don't see those same dynamics with other racialized groups. Um, and so we know that there's kind of, I think, definitely challenges that black students are having between K to 12. So it is absolutely like paramount that um, the K to 12 system looks at race-based data. And we also, again, have anecdotal kind of evidence or, you know, people have shared with us that they experience anti-black racism all the time in, in, our, in our schools, in our K to 12 schools. So... And I think we've seen that kind of in the media as well. With... Yeah, Justice for Amel, with yeah. Bashir and the folks there and his yeah. family. And, um, you know, and, and the, the Edmonton Public School Board is, I think, you know, got, they got SROs out of schools. You know, the people behind uh, that push were largely black, right? Yeah. Like, um, this is, if you want to be an anti-racist organization, if you want to call your organization anti-racist, the bare minimum is collecting race-based data. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's literally, yeah. And I think that that's funny that now, you know, I think that we're seeing a lot of institutions say this, that they want to be anti-racist and they consider themselves anti-racist. Well, you know, again, this all goes back to performative politics of like, you know, you can say all you want, what you are, um, but the, the, more, the most important piece is, well, are you actually doing, um, are you actually making changes that would actually um, improve the conditions of black students? And that's, you know, that's kind of like the, the bare minimum is to look at like what is going on. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up performative politics because that's an excellent segue to this clip I have of uh, Edmonton Police Chief uh, Dale McPhee uh, at his at his uh, recent um, 
uh, press conference kind of announcing a listening tour. It wasn't a really, I don't know, it was kind of a strange announcement because it, it was, it was we're going to do action, but the inaction was we're going to listen. Um, anyways, I'm going to play this clip for you and I want you to, uh, to react to it. Sure. We acknowledge that there were past consultations where we didn't truly hear or act upon the calls or change what we were asked or what was asked of us. Being an anti-racist and responsive police service is an incredibly multifaceted task. We become both the driver and the subject of necessary social change. It requires equitable change in our organization, in our training, in the kind of environment we provide in our workplaces, in the way internal relationships work, in the way we budget. But most important, it is how we establish and sustain our relationships with the community that we're here to protect and serve. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting because, and I, I don't think I had mentioned this to you before, but I was actually on the African Liaison Committee with the Edmonton Police Force from 2015 to 2017. And I was part of the, you know, and that was, that was really set up so that, you know, they could have better relationships with the community. And that's kind of the language that you hear all the time is improving relationships and improving relationships. Um, you know, relationships are not just about you know, being able to sit around at a table and, you know, exchange information as to what's going on in the community and, you know, that kind of stuff. And that's all important. I'm not, you know, trying to knock that down. But, you know, you also have to hold your institution accountable. Like, again, like, again the kind of fundamental elements is that if there are police officers or if the police force is not, you know, they, if, if, if police officers or the police force um, is behaving in an anti-black way, uh, you kind of need to get those people out of there or you, you, you need to start to, um, you know, just have a level of standard that you do care about the black people who are going to encounter these police officers or the black people who are going to encounter, encounter this institution. Um, and there's really nothing, you know, you, you know, as much as you want to have great relationships with me, it tells me a lot if you're not willing to, to hold people accountable at your your organization. If you want to call yourself an anti-racist police force, you can start by disbanding your police force. <laughs> yeah, and of course, yes, you could, and, and that. Um, and more, you know, kind of the interesting thing is now where they've spent millions of dollars into this new tank, new yeah. tank, and other start, technology. You can start by getting rid of your new tank. <laughs> yeah, and, and militarizing uh, your police force. Like, I mean, it's you know, and I know that the, the mayor said it was tone deaf. It was beyond tone deaf. It was just like, it was, I don't even know what you want to call that. Stupid. It was. Yeah, you have 15,000 <laughs> people in the streets demanding change. You have... And then you bring this. Yeah, it's just like, are you kidding me? Um, and so I just don't buy it. I think that, again, we're doing a lot of the, the typical language of, you know, progressive politics and we're an anti-racist. And, and, you know, and the, the, the ridiculousness of being able to even assign yourself as an anti-racist institution like how like where's the you know where's the legitimacy in that as a policing institution <laughs> yeah, yeah like like okay uh you want to call yourself anti-racist you want to call yourself an anti-racist police force like where do you even start like language means nothing anymore like you know yeah I mean? no we've entered this the progressive hellscape where like words have no meaning and, yeah. and police forces are, are are forces of change and it's like no they're violent upholders of the status quo yes you know and the status quo is also inherently brutal yeah like, like we have the data like when, when, we, good, yeah. when good researchers like actually get race-based data yeah it, it shows that black people face materially worse conditions than white then people it, yes yeah 
So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't really have <laughs> much kind of hope there. And, you know, it, it really is in what they spend their money on, where they spend their time on, and the countless number of task forces that they put on again and again. And it's just like, you know, we're tired. We're tired of you talking. We're tired of having conversations about this. Just redirect those funds out of the policing force and into the community services that we need. I mean, we know that, you know, you know, if you want to reduce crime or if you want to improve the conditions of people's lives, well, you actually have to give them, you know, proper living conditions. They need a house. They, <laughs> they need, need a house. Food, they need food on the they table. Need money. They need education. Yeah. They need health care. Like, just make it all free, please. <laughs> and, and when and when the Edmonton police budget is chunking up, you know, $350, $400 million a year, the single yeah. largest slice of the Edmonton City Council pie, budget pie. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like you don't get any more money like you get yeah. way way less money the plan i mean the plan is to get rid of it eventually like i mean even chief mcphee has talked about this like yeah we need to do a good enough job to put ourselves out of business like agreed yeah you know yeah yeah agreed. <laughs> society has progressed past the point uh for police you yes. know what i mean yeah and i think what's what was really disappointing to me was that we're in the middle of a pandemic like people are losing their jobs people are getting sick and this is how we spend our money this is where our tax dollars are going to i was just like it's so irresponsible and so, I mean, I don't know what, what else to, to, to say. I was just like, this is not what black people need. This is not what indigenous people need. This is not what poor people need. This is not helpful for the majority of us. And, and you have Don Iveson kind of, his consistent kind of a plea and approach on this has been to go to other levels of government for money. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, federal government, help us. You know, provincial government, help us. And the provincial government has clearly said no. Yeah. Uh, federal government, help us, please uh, do these things. They want to buy hotels and put homeless people in houses, you know, before it gets cold. Yeah. And uh, and it's like, motherfucker, you're spending $400 million exactly. a year on the police. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I mean, we, you can only imagine what, what that would do if we were to, even to take a... a a percentage of that. hundred million dollars. Like even, yeah, I know. Even a hundred million could, could make huge differences for our community, our city. And to me, it's just kind of mind-boggling that they just refuse to do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, in, the, in the vein of, of, of uh, race -based, collecting race-based data, um, yeah. you said you were a graduate student at the University of Alberta. Does the University of Alberta collect this data at all? No, it doesn't. And actually, I'm also working with the Black Graduate Students Association. We have a Black Students Collective there. Um, of a group of black uh, student groups that actually met with the president. Um, we met with him, I think, earlier in the, in the month, and we presented, again, calls to action, or our demands. And one of these things was, again, race-based data. You need to figure out what's going on. Um, and so what we know is that the Office of Registrar is looking right now at staff, and I think the professorate data, they're trying to collect that, or they've started. Um, they haven't yet started for students, and so we're going to really be pushing for, um, for them to start doing that. The good news is that certain black student groups have been successful. So the Black Medical um, Students Association has at least gotten the, the medical school to um, identify black in the admissions process. So now you have indigenous and black, I believe. But it's piecemeal. It's not across the university. It's not. And, that, and, that, that's, one of the, and that's one of the frustrating things about these large institutions is that they're so kind of diversified and there's not a university-wide approach to these things and that's why we went to the president because we're like you need to make sure that this happens you know university-wide it's no longer acceptable that you know these things are happening in different departments of faculties and you also need to understand your student body much more carefully and again if you want to meet equity diversity um, targets you're going to need to know the student population so i mean that's a work in progress um, 
we've also, you know, we're going to hopefully be meeting with like we have with the dean of students, and they're particularly important because they serve the student body. You know, they have a lot of student services, and we're like, can you at least do voluntary data, like you know, in the in the short term? And that's been kind of the, the our approach is. You know, there's things that you can do. You know, you can put in an opt-in model in the, in the meantime, just to know what's going on, and also it's quite informative on how to actually create a more standard and you know long-term race-based um, data collection model. If you if you really want to, you, yeah, know, you like can pilot. You can pilot pilot some of these things. Figuring out is is, is half of the struggle. It's right? half like, of the struggle. Edmonton yeah. Public School Board is like, okay, well, how are we going to get parents to Agreed fill to this? agree and fill yeah. out this fill this out and how are we going to like frame this in a way that we're going to have enough uptake so that it's going to be statistically relevant like, yeah. like you do have to think about it as a pro it's a problem to be solved for the data you collect to actually be useful yeah right and yeah. and uh you know it's encouraging to hear that, that this is being worked at, at other institutions but really it's like the provincial government the federal government yeah. <laughs> uh, like our healthcare system our education system yeah like the, the edmonton catholic school board is not collecting race-based data you know like yeah like our like a i've, I've heard a couple of rumors from folks that uh, alberta health services our massive yeah, healthcare infrastructure too. our massive healthcare bureaucracy is gonna start collecting race-based data but yeah. like good but like you know that, that's just a rumor at this point yeah um you know, if 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 you if you want to be if you again, I'm just gonna say it again. If you're gonna claim to be anti-racist, yeah, at the very least, yeah, you gotta know whether or not you're being racist or not. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and this is this is like across the board everywhere, and it's such a struggle. And this is where you kind of like, you know, with institutions that are built, and then this is really the struggle, right? Institutions are often built to kind of be colorblind at the very least, if not outright racist at the, at the very worst right mm -hmm. and and this is where you kind of hit that kind of brick wall with them every time and it's like oh we care about students and we want to make sure that black students are like, okay do you know what's going on like can you at least or can you and the hard thing is that we're saying like collect this data collect this data it's coming from us from the community and like oh well we don't know if we could do that and there's sensitivities around this and there's all this kind of like you know excuses or and suddenly they're they're so sensitive Right at this point, like you can collect data and you know violate other people's rights in certain areas, but you have now you're suddenly sensitive about this issue. Like there's a there's a lot of contradiction and not you know kind of this willful you know just denial or ignorance to to really wanting to make this change, and it just doesn't make sense. And you sort of sit there and you're like, okay, well where does that leave us if you're not willing to you know collect race-based data because you're worried about how students may perceive this or students are afraid that they're going to this stuff is going to be used against them and it's like well if it's, it's only going to be used against them if you use it against them like this is you know and so they bring up all these kinds of like concerns and i'm like and you could tell they're not very well thought out like yeah black students know whether uh it's going to be used against them because like they're they're black and they're facing like anti-black racism throughout their lives all yes. the time <laughs> yeah I mean? so yeah i mean but i think we're at a point where at least in Canada, it's, I mean, I don't know what, what's like, in, I think in the States, it's pretty, you know, it's standard in a lot of institutions, but it's nice to see at least there's consideration for these things right now. Um, and, you know, we really just need to hold their feet to the fire and, you know, do the kind of, do the voluntary stuff, the opt-in models, just so you know what's going on. Like it's, it's a process. And I think that one of the things that gets in the way of this is you know, people afraid of being appearing to be racist. I'm like, you're already racist. Don't worry about that. Like, you know, we're, we're already there. So, and that's, and that's, I think, who they're really protecting or who they're protecting is really their perception, like the perception of the, the institution, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you just need to get over it. Like, there's a problem, deal with it. You need to acknowledge and move forward. 
Well, let's leave it there. I think that's a fantastic note to end it on. Uh, Yodit, how can people follow along with your work, support the various things that you're part of? If, if you're a black uh, student or you want to get help out, like what's the best way to get a hold of you, best way to follow along? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of us is our email, uh, studentsforchangeyeg at gmail.com. So the four is a number, students, plural, for change at G, uh, yeg at gmail.com. Um, we, you can also help uh, some of the announcements or the things that we'll be doing um, may be announced on... Uh, Black Women United's page, that's where we kind of, um, just because it's through my work there. So you can follow Black Women United on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, you can also email us at bwunitedyeg at gmail.com. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio and learning about the work that you're doing. Um, Folks, if you want to hear more podcasts like this, uh, there's very easy, a few easy things you can do to help us out, um, you know smash that like button, rate, review, subscribe, you know, the usual list of things uh, podcasts ask you to do. But uh, doing all those things actually really does help us. And, you know, we don't spend any money on advertising, so it is all word of mouth. Um, the other big thing you can do to help us uh, is obviously support us financially. If you can throw in $5, 10 $15 a month, it really does help keep this independent media project going. And you're joining about 250 other people who regularly kick in a little bit of money as well. So the easiest way to do that is to go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons and put in your credit card and easy peasy. Uh, if you have any notes, thoughts, things you think I need to hear, you can reach me on Twitter at Duncan Kinney. You can reach me by email at uh, DuncanK at progressalberta.ca. Thanks so much to uh, Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. Progress Alberta is proud to be a part of the Harbinger Media Network. Did you know that more than 75% of Canadian news and politics podcast downloads are actually American content? Harbinger Media is here to change that. Find out more at harbingermedianetwork.com.